Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hello everyone, welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by the Hoopheads Podcast Network. My name is Devin Zanskis, and first and foremost, I'd like to thank each and every one of you who whoever's joining in for episode one of Nuck If You Buck. And in case you're the only two listeners at this point, love you mom and dad. Appreciate you allowing me to record in your guest bedroom where I'm at right now. I'd also like to begin this podcast with a special birthday shout out to my fantastic nephew, Fisher. Happy birthday, little buddy. I had a great time celebrating with you and everyone else yesterday. However, it's up to you now to uh, get a leg up on the competition, put in those reps on that first basketball hoop that your uncle Drew and myself got for you. I also encourage you to wear your Giannis jersey for every Bucks game just as I do. 100% convinced that it does indeed contribute to winning basketball for your Milwaukee Bucks. Also, since uh, this little listener won't won't turn one until another 10 and a half months, I'd like to give a shout out to my lovely niece, Elsie. Congratulations on one, being so freaking adorable, and two, being a great sleeper for mommy and daddy, not waking them up in the middle of the night so much, and for having a better sleep schedule than I've had my entire life. I mean, what else can you ask of a six-week-old? I'm super proud of both of you, and I can't wait to see what amazing accomplishments you have in the years to come. However, uh, this is not the Call Her Daddy podcast, unfortunately, so enough of the mommy-daddy talk. Let's uh, get into the hoops. So as an optimistic Milwaukee Bucks fan here, I like to draw comparisons um, between this series that we're currently in right now between the 1-8-seeded Orlando Magic and last year's 1-8 series uh, between us and the Detroit Pistons. Now, I gathered a few similarities here that I saw between this year's Orlando Magic and last year's Detroit Pistons. Those three similarities being the injuries to their uh, star front court players, the lackluster talent on the wing. That's a that's a working title there. Let's let's move that more sort towards talent on the wing leaving more to be desired. As these are NBA players after all. And then the third similar attribute there that I found was a recognizable talent there at the center position. Now going back, unfortunately, to the injuries to the star front court players, advantage certainly goes to last year's Detroit Pistons as this year's Orlando Magic have definitely, definitely had worse luck with the injury bug as Jonathan Isaac experienced uh, a torn left ACL unfortunately, uh, during a seeding game where, according to an NBA analyst that uh, I certainly trust, uh, occurred when the Magic were uh, already down by 30 points. And although I'm certainly not as smart as anybody making decisions for the Orlando Magic at this point, it certainly does not look good on, on anyone on the Orlando Magic that their star prospect who had an injury to the same knee uh, all the way from New Year's Day up until the seeding games was was out there uh, competing with I mean that much of a disparity in the points column. So, but hindsight remains twenty twenty, and we wish Jonathan Isaac the speediest of recoveries. Even though we won't expect him back honestly at all next season, whatever next season will look like at this point. But moving on to another long athletic forward for the Orlando Magic. Aaron Gordon is currently experiencing a left hamstring injury, and uh, former Milwaukee Buck Michael Carter-Williams 
has a strained left foot through the speculation that both players could potentially play at some point uh, in this first round matchup. I will consider both of them day to day. However, I'll admit it does not look good for either of them since they haven't been able to play at all yet in this series. Moving on to the uh, more hmm, let's go yeah lackluster talent on the wing, leaving more talent to be desired. However, one wants to find that wording for me. The Detroit Pistons last year. They had Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson as key contributors on the wing there, whereas this year's Orlando Magic has Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, and DJ Augustine. And I shall add, also add in there Markel Fultz, who's currently starting over DJ. Clearly, I'd give the advantage to the Magic, considering I named twice the amount of players. And Evan Fournier, I also consider to be the, be the best player out of everyone that I had mentioned, and the rest to kind of all be in the same tier as each other, even though Luke Kennard is certainly the most tantalizing prospect of the bunch. But I mean, how it feels like he's been in the league for a bit, although he's still young. Moving on to the third and final category of the comparisons between last year's Detroit Pistons and this year's Orlando Magic. Compare the recognizable talent uh, between Nikola Vucevic and Andre Drummond. Both former All-Stars, Nikola Vucevic is, is playing the part very well, averaging 29 points per game on 54.5% shooting from the field and 375 shooting from the three-point line in 35.7 minutes per game. I uh, Certainly an advantage to the Magic there, even, even if we're comparing their closer regular season totals there, I would certainly take Nikola Vucevic over Andre Drummond, although I still wouldn't consider Vucevic to be my ideal uh, center of the future if I were running an NBA franchise. I mean, certainly he has he has some pieces of the modern game and that he can stretch out the three as he proved in the first three games here. However, especially if, if you're losing out on the luxury of having long athletic wings, especially Jonathan Isaac, who I likened to that of Andre Kirilenko of the 2000s, who was able to regularly average two two steals and two blocks a game, and of course affect the game on on the defensive end that certainly, as we know, can't always be replicated in the counting numbers. Uh, If you don't have him alongside someone like uh, Nikola Vucevic, your uh, rim protection will certainly take a hit, and that's uh, certainly what I would want (laughs) out of a center, because where where else are you going to get rim protection? uh, usually, if you don't have a, if if you don't have a big, we'll do that for you. And then moving on to um, the actual result of game one before we even get into it here, sort of uh, countering the comparisons I just made between the two, the two series that I had mentioned there. That all sort of went out the window after the first game there when uh, the Milwaukee Bucks had actually joined some pretty terrible company of uh, being. Only the fourth number one seed to lose game one in a first series by double digits. Now, geez, where to start? So the 2007 Mavericks, being uh, one of those three other teams, they went on to actually lose the first round series to the We Believe Warriors. That, of course, led Dirk Nowitzki to accept his MVP trophy after his Dallas Mavericks had already been eliminated from the playoffs. 
I certainly don't anticipate that happening to Giannis Antetokounmpo this year. But yeah, I repeat, not great company to join, especially as we have another company member here who lost in the first round of the playoffs. However, this was back when the first round was actually a best of three series instead of best of four, as we all know it today, when the one-seeded 1999 Miami Heat lost to the eight-seeded New York Knicks. And however, the New York Knicks actually went on to be Eastern Conference uh, champions that would lose to the 1999 San Antonio Spurs, who of course would begin their uh, their dynasty towards five rings and start their playoff streak that would not come to an end until 2020. So go down the Spurs for for making the playoffs for over two decades in a row. But yeah, not good on the Bucks for losing by double digits in game one against a number eight seed. So I'll bring us into game one here and specifically into early in the second quarter when the Orlando Magic had already uh, taken advantage of the points off turnover differential of 11 to zero to against the Milwaukee Bucks. Then halfway through the second quarter there, Nikola Vucevic had already tallied 16 points on 7 of 8 shooting in 14 minutes. And, however, DJ Augustine and Evan Fournier would uh, not make a single field goal at that point on a combined 7 attempts. However, DJ Augustine was able to affect the game in other ways, as I noticed, using his body, drawing fouls, and being able to contribute on the, at the free throw line, making 4 of his 4 attempts. This would lead the Bucks to be down 18 in the early goings. I repeat, down 18 in the second quarter. Following that 18-point deficit, there would be a 5-point swing. And then Giannis adding on with an and one off of a false foul to bring it down to 10 points. Giannis then would go to the line a couple more times, going one of two only at the line those next two times. And then back-to-back magic threes. And a Giannis lay-in in between the two aforementioned Magic 3s. And after those two 3s, Giannis would hit a 3 of his own, which would then lead us into the flagrant foul on Gary Clark uh, from Giannis. Now, flagrant fouls, you hear, when you hear them talked about on the broadcast, uh, it's often you hear the same thing. At least one broadcast will bring up Oh well, there wasn't any intent there, but then that'll lead that'll lead the other broadcast to be like, oh well, it's not all about intent. And that second broadcaster is certainly right, and it's honestly pretty crazy. I feel like I hear this every single time they talk about a flagrant foul, and it's incredibly super scripted. Anyways, yeah, of course, if you watch this again, and as a casual NBA fan, you may think, oh, like that's not flagrant. Like he wasn't even trying to hurt him, but. Uh, the fact of the matter is those those kinds of plays, not allowing the three-point shooter to safely land and making him land on top of you or on your foot can lead to significant injuries, specifically like like grade three ankle injuries and even worse, who knows? I mean, just allowing allowing these to be enforced to the highest degree will just allow less injuries to occur and will allow us to protect uh, our bucks as well in the future. So I support the flagrant foul being put out there, but 
I understand if you disagree because it was on Giannis. So again, that brings us to uh, being down 10 going into the third quarter. And then with only three minutes remaining in the third quarter, Nikola Vucevic had posted his playoff career high of 30 points. And then Dante would actually score his first points of the game to bring the Bucks uh, deficit to single digits there. And then somehow the Bucks bring it bring it to within three as the Magic take a timeout with only three minutes with only, excuse me, two minutes left in the third quarter. And then somehow the Bucks would end up down 13 again going into the fourth quarter. And that's exactly how my notes read. And it's hard to believe that those actually go hand in hand, that we had, a, that there was somehow a 10 point swing there, according to my notes in the last two minutes of the game. But it's certainly possible and not unbelievable if, if uh, you also watched that first Bucks game of the series. I'll bring you then to the final five minutes remaining in the game where, similar to Dante, late in the third quarter, Fournier had taken to until five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter to hit his first basket with a three coming off of a Vucevic screen. Fournier would actually hit two more threes within the next three minutes and would lead the Bucks to be down by 16 with less than two minutes remaining. And the game would conclude with a final score of 122 to uh, 110 advantage magic there and leading to the double digit loss that we had mentioned bringing us into the same discussion as the 07 1999 Knicks. some relevant stats here to reflect the disappointing loss would be chris and brooke combining for 28 and a half percent from the field and although bledsoe shot a respectable 5 of 11 from the field he chris and brooke would combine for 3 of 15 shooting from 3, and despite Giannis posting a typical Giannis number of 31, 17, and 7, and uh, by his standards, incredible 3 of 7 from 3, he only uh, recorded 12 of 25 shooting from the field with 5 of 9 from the line there. Certainly, especially the free throw numbers and Giannis taking so many of his shots from within the restricted area or he where he or he should be taking most of his shots within the restricted area you definitely want his real goal percentage to be above 50% and we also would like for him to decrease his turnovers there so the main point brought up by the local bucks broadcast here heading into the second quarter was that the bucks just need to be the more aggressive team or and or at least match the the uh, magic aggression there heading into game two, which they certainly did. As in game two, the Bucks allowed the fewest points of en- for any opponent facing them all season, as the Magic put up only uh, 13 points in that first quarter, shooting 3 of 24 from the field, 1 of 11 on 3, and 5 turnovers. Excuse me. But the Bucks would then go on a 9-0 run early in the second quarter with Pat Connison hitting back-to-back threes. Derek Bledsoe would then make would make a mid-range, followed by a drive for two. V- Nikola Vucevic would travel, and then uh, Bledsoe would make a, a tough mid-range fade. That brings the, the three-point tally to Bucks, 9 of 22 on threes, and the Magic adding five more misses from behind the arc, leading to 
one of 16 marksmanship. Later in the third quarter, or pardon me, throughout the entire third quarter, Kyle Korver would hit three threes in total, uh, as well as a mid-range, mid-range pull-up throughout that second quarter. Pat Connaughton, uh, throughout the second quarter alone, hit two more threes, so for a total of four in the second quarter, and he would also feed Giannis for the dunk with 2.4 seconds left in the half. And at half, the Bucks would be shooting 50% from the field, with the Magic shooting 24.4% from the field. Going into the third quarter, Vucevic would, would open it up with uh, back-to-back threes and a put-back lay-in. West would respond with two back-to-back threes, and then there would be dunks from both Giannis and Brooke. Vuce would eventually uh, hit two free throws following a Brooke f- foul and then a deep two forcing Bud to call a timeout. Uh, the broadcast also made note at this point that, that we're seeing less of Giannis at center and more of, excuse me, the keeping at least one Lopez on the floor at all times, which we can definitely, su- we can definitely support this decision considering the, the missing talent there for, for the Orlando Magic. I think allowing Giannis to be that supreme free safety there at the four position and then throwing throwing a seven-foot Lopez on Nikola Vucevic can really uh, stifle Nikola Vucevic as much as possible. Although, although Giannis can certainly check Nikola Vucevic any day of the week, I do definitely love the luxury of having Giannis at the free safety and, and a seven-footer on Vucevic as opposed to Giannis on Vucevic and not having a free safety or someone of Giannis's as a help defender there. Uh, as, as mentioned, Giannis could definitely check Nikola Vucevic. However, Vuce has, has proven to be able to take advantage of especially Robin when he subs into the game as he scores on Robin twice with a hook shot and a drive. And then after that, Pat would grab two offensive rebounds, both leading to scores. One, one a catch-and-shoot three for Dante from George Hill, and then one leading to a hook shot over Ken Birch. Uh, Dante would, would then have another nice cut leading to a score off of Giannis Dine. That's the second time that has happened, uh, that would happen in uh, this quarter. Uh, and then uh, finally, we have the Giannis poster dunk over Gary Clark. <laughs> where Mike Breen says, say it with your chest, Giannis. How I probably sound right now talking about basketball. And then, of course, you have the just the magnificent sight when you see Giannis screaming and flexing all at the same time. Just, I, I hadn't, I have, really haven't seen a Giannis that emotional since since the uh, game-ending dunk he had on, uh, ooh, I, it was definitely on Rudy Gobert, and it was, if not this season, the prior season, certainly a year when Rudy Gobert would win Defensive Player of the Year. As uh, <laughs> there was, there was a fantastic compilation of uh, Giannis dunking and destroying Rudy Gobert, <laughs> uh, all in the same season when he won Defensive Player of the Year, and then also when when he called Ben Simmons an effing baby last year, last Easter, I believe it was. I really have, I really uh, haven't seen Giannis quite as animated with this poster on Gary Clark than, than any other time besides those other two times. So following that poster, Bledsoe would pull up for, would pull up from the mid range for two and then hop step in the paint for two himself. 
Nikola Vucevic would hit another uh, deep two and have a putback dunk there. However, Giannis would ta- would retaliate with a lefty dunk, finishing past Fournier, and then Brooke would close it out with back-to-back corner threes, leading to a final score of 111 to 96 bucks. And unfortunately, Chris Middleton would only end up finishing the game with two points on on one of eight shooting and O from four from the three-point line. But after the game three victory, um, Chris would say that even though he only had two points, he thought he had a positive impact on the game in other ways. Perhaps he's losing to his his uh, greater than his season average of six assists. But we certainly we certainly want and need more out of our number two scorer, especially if we we uh, especially once we advanced advance past this series here. So again, moving in moving into game three after Chris's uh, game three comment there. With five minutes fifteen seconds remaining in the first quarter, the Bucks had an eighteen to twelve lead until eventually Steve Clifford, Magic Coach, would call a timeout. And then following that timeout, Giannis would would take a pull up three with only one minute remaining in the quarter. Then Giannis would then with nine minutes and fifty seconds remaining in, in the in the second quarter there, he would Giannis would have a block and then a a steal leading to a coast-to-coast dunk on his behalf. Then to follow, DJ Augustine would have seven uh, straight points for the Magic. And, if, and it looked like to me, and I didn't even see it get correct get corrected, that one of his, he had this weird like 20-foot runner that counted as a three, but certainly the last foot he planted on before he had that ridiculous like deep deep runner. Yeah, he certainly had his foot planted there within the arc, but somehow it counted as three and I didn't see it corrected. But uh, I could be wrong. Maybe it was corrected later on as I was watching uh, more basketball. But yeah, really weird. Uh, Chris would then follow with a catch and shoot three off of a Giannis Giannis dish and then then get fouled after making a pull-up mid-ranger, although he misses, misses the free throw. This brings us into the big fight between Marvin Williams and James Ennis. It starts with Ennis throwing a two-hand shove at, at uh, Marvin during the play, which Marvin clearly did not like as he, he responds with another two-hand shove, although this is clearly after the play, and he would continue uh, clutching at Ennis's jersey there and not letting go until Ennis... Ennis is forced to 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 punch uh, Marvin's hand there, which led to him taking down Dar- Darvin Ham as well. Bucks assist, and he was trying to uh, bring to settle the two down. Both players would get ejected, and then it was announced today that they would be fined fifteen thousand dollars. But it doesn't look like they will be suspended or anything. That would be ridiculous. Uh, it's not like any of them threw a headbutt or something in there. But that would result still with it being Bucks ball, and then it would be 55-34 to 34 after, a, after a Brook layup, completing a 10-0 run on the Bucks, and Wesley Matthews would hit his second three, yeah, his second three in the second quarter there from the corner, following transition three he had earlier in the quarter. Vucevic would respond with a lefty hook over, over Robin, and then from there, Vucevic would actually lose the ball after being triple teamed in the post, and he would also be denied in the post, and then there would be a shot clock violation called on the magic there. In between those two, uh, those two lost balls within the post, Giannis would hit a pull up three, and the Bucks would would head into the half up seventy to forty three. 
At that point, Giannis was 8 of 8 from the field and 2 of 2 from the three-point line. And if I remember correctly, he was at least at about 20 or 21 points at that point. In the third quarter now, with seven minutes remaining, the Bucks would be up 80 uh, to 50. Earlier, uh, Wesley Matthews would, in- would again inter- intercept a feed to Vucevic in the paint. Similar to, well, that wasn't quite a steal earlier with Giannis that I had touched on, but, but uh, not allowing entry to Vucevic in the paint. Um, and then eventually West would throw it ahead to Giannis for a transition dunk. Fournier and Terrence Ross would hit back-to-back threes off of Magic screens. And that would be then uh, Fournier would then follow there with a floater in the paint. Later on, Kyle Korver would end up hitting the deck for, for a save there that would end in Hill finishing the play on a drive for two. Super impressive effort there out of Kyle Korver there. A veteran that was from uh, LeBron James, same draft class, although he actually spent some time in college there. So for, uh, I'm going to guess he's like 38 years old for a player like him, uh, diving on the floor. That's, that's the effort we definitely need for the Bucks there. He's actually also said at one point during the prog- during uh, the broadcast that, that they thought that Kyle Korver, not, not as of now, but definitely at one point had, had the reputation of one of the better off-ball defenders in the league, which certainly... Although defense is already underappreciated within defense, off-ball defense is certainly less appreciated than that of being off-ball defense is certainly less appreciated than that of on-ball defense. And yeah, I mean, watch, watching his effort and, and also him him denying a him denying DJ Augustine draw foul from the three-point line earlier, I can definitely see um, why coaches would have thought that in the past about Kyle Corbin. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Ross would then hit a contestant three uh, hit a contested three, excuse me, from the line, drawing a four-point play. However, the Bucks would still lead heading into the fourth, 98-77. However, it's, and then the Bucks would head into the fourth quarter there with a lineup of Hill, Dante, Pat, Corver, and Giannis. And then the Magic would have DJ Augustine, Terry Rozier, Wesley Awundu, Gary Clark, and Nikola Vucevic with nine points remaining. Or with nine minutes remaining in the game, it would be a, a 15-point game at that point before uh, Bud would call timeout. Uh, following that timeout in which, Bus, which Bud would sub in his starters and then Magic would bring back in uh, Mark L. Fultz for Terrence Ross and Fournier in for a window, for a window, excuse me, Giannis would end up dunking through the wall that was built by the Orlando Magic, the famous the famous wall that, that had, has proved to stifle Giannis in the past. Although in this game, it really proved that 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 we can stifle that wall by by making sure we keep our three point shooters back at the top of the key, and that's where 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 Cor- particularly Corver and Pat were able to be beneficiaries of of Giannis dump offs after he meets the wall there. And and those defenders at the wall, they're certainly close to the corners, but if we keep our guys back uh, closer to the top of the key, they're They'll definitely be way too far from uh, those shooters there to contest, and I'm just, but they're they're happy to uh, settle for those three point shots as opposed to Giannis uh, going through the wall. But you know sometimes you just can't stop Giannis, and he's gonna he's gonna dunk in your face whether you like it or not. <laughs> and then following uh, Giannis dunk, Bledsoe would take a hard fall. Then he would drive past Vucevic for the two, and then. Uh, have a pull-up three of his own, uh, leading to 
118 to 93 score, Bucks advantage, and a Steve Clifford timeout. There would then be a final score of 121 to 107 Bucks. Uh, Giannis would put up a typical Giannis stat line of 35, 11, 11 and 7, and would be questioned, basically questioned twice in two different ways about how the Bucks were able to be successful today. And he would, he would, he essentially answered both of them with saying that success starts and is totally because of the work that they put in on the defensive end. And I mean, they certainly have, they certainly showed up with that added aggression that we cited earlier on in the game. And, and yeah, that will definitely help you on the defensive end, but effort is not all of defense as, as we mentioned earlier as well. Like if you're, if you're running and sprinting to get back to the spot where you should have been in the first place, you're not necessarily a good uh, defender in case you missed that earlier on. Chris also stepped up and proved to be the number two option that we want of him, putting up 17 points and affecting in other ways besides scoring with six rebounds and eight assists, shooting seven of 17 from the field and three of seven from the three-point line, and a a game high of plus 30 plus minus there for the Bucs. So yeah, Bucs play again Tuesday, same time as game one, unfortunately, 1230 on Tuesday. So hopefully we don't have a a repeat of last Tuesday, and the Bucks can not quite finish off the series as this won't this won't get to be the sweep that we wanted and the sweep that we had last year against the Detroit Pistons. But hopefully, we can have a three to one advantage after Game Four, and and you no, know, call it a douchebag sweep as some do. If we if we you know allow the competition to get a little cocky going into the rest of the series, but then sweep them out from there. So if you're a Bucks fan, you're rooting for a douchebag sweep, and hopefully we get that. But you will hear more about the conclusion of this of this series on next week episode of Nuck If You Buck. So please tune into that, and I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.